Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody, just lift your hands to Jesus and worship him tonight. Hallelujah. God, we just bless you. We worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place tonight. And we pray that you move by your spirit. Have your way this evening. Do only what you can do. Speak to each and every one of us. Let nobody leave this place the same. Father, we just thank you for loosing your word on us tonight, giving us a fresh word, a fresh anointing. Give us a word in season that will minister life, grace, and health to us. And Father, I just thank you for using me as your vessel tonight. Grant me the grace to articulate your word even as you gave it to me. Give our people ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. I loose and I decree and declare over our people that everybody here tonight is good ground and is ready to receive the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And for it, Father, we bless you and thank you. We give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise tonight. Amen, amen, amen. can have your seats. We're going to get right into the Word of God. I want to thank everybody for, you know, being here on, on time tonight. Like I mentioned to you, we're going to start praise and worship at 730. I'm going to be up here by 8 o'clock ready to preach the Word. By 830, I'm closing the book. And we'll break this baby down. Unless like the Holy Ghost raptures us or something like that. Let's see, just because <laughs> we're gonna let him have his way, amen. But um, we're gonna get right into the word of God uh tonight. Uh turn your Bibles really quick to John 13. And um we're gonna read verses one through seventeen. So I made up my mind that what I'm gonna do is I'm really gonna start teaching on some leadership principles every week. I'm just going to kind of, you know, take um, some snippets of some real leadership um, things and, and impart them to you. And um, that's going to be my goal as I get ready to, you know, conclude this year as we get ready to close out. I want you guys to get prepared and ready for this upcoming year. Amen. So, um, you know, I put this here and then we're going to read the scriptures. I, I said, you know, the mission that God gave me in this ministry is to train up leaders and disciples. And the reason for that is to reach the world with the love of Jesus. So my goal, therefore, is to pour myself into you and to teach you things that I've learned over the years in an effort to help you bypass some of the potential dangers that you may encounter in life and in ministry. All right. Um, this is very, very important. There are two primary ways of learning. And uh, you can learn by trial and error, or you can learn through the success and or failures of others, right? So the best way to learn, of course, is by the success and failure of others. But most, you know, people take the hard route and try to figure out things on their own, you know. But the best way to learn is through someone else's failures, not your own. Now, the most lasting way to learn is... <laughs> It's through your own failures. There's no question about that. Because once you step on a landmine, you know to never step on that again. But the bottom line is the best way to learn is to hear somebody else stepped on a landmine and then don't step on it. 
So as your pastor, it's my job to try to give you a head start in life and in ministry. And with that being said, I want to share with you some thoughts about ministry and about leadership. And, and this is not just, you know, about ministry. This is also that you can take this and you can apply this to your own personal life and in every walk of your life, not just ministry. But the first lesson that every leader really needs to learn is that their task, their first task in leadership is servanthood. Now, no leader can be a good or effective leader unless they're first a great servant. And you must understand that God will never give you a ministry of leading until you fulfilled a ministry of serving. And again, this, this applies to your natural life as well, not just being in ministry, but also in your personal life. God will never give you something of your own until you, until you prove to him that you can take care of something that belongs to someone else. That's a principle that God has said. And I put here, God will never promote someone that thinks that they're too good to serve. And uh, to the degree that you're willing to humble yourself and serve will be to the degree that God is willing to raise you up and to promote you in life. And uh, this is true, again, both inside and outside the church. So we're going to just kind of look at real quick. Uh, I told you to turn to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. We're going to look at, you know, our greatest example uh, in life is the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did for us is he gave us a picture of how things should be done in life and in ministry. So in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, it says, Now before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his hour had come, and it was time. It was time for him to leave this world and to return to the Father. Having greatly loved his own who were in the world, he loved them and continuously loves them with his perfect love to the end. I love that. It was during supper when the devil had already put the thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Can you imagine that? They're, they're sitting there eating supper. You got Jesus and all the disciples, and the devil shows up and puts it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Crazy, right? It said it was during supper when the devil had already put the thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, that Jesus, knowing that the father had put everything into his hands... And that he had come from God and was now returning to God. The Bible says that he got up from suffer, supper. He took off his outer robe, which was symbolic of his authority. And he put on a servant's towel. He tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And wiping them with the towel, which was tied around his waist. I like that it kind of gives you the background because it says that he already knew that the father had put everything into his hands and he knew that he was returning. He came from God and he was returning to God. That just simply means that he had no identity crisis. He knew exactly who he was. <laughs> he knew who he was and he knew who, whose he was. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He knew that he was the king of kings and he was the Lord of lords and that he was the creator of this universe. He, he had no mistake about who he was. The Bible says after all that, then he took off his robes. See, when you know who you are, you don't, you don't, you're not worried about serving. See, when, pe when people don't know who they are, then they, then they don't, well, if I do that, then people are going to think that I'm lowly or something like that. See, see you, have to, you have to know who you are to be able to stoop low, you know. 
And see, he was willing to stoop low because he knew exactly who he was. So the Bible says that he, he got down on his feet. He began to wash his disciples' feet, wiping them with the towel which was tied around his waist. And then it says, and when he came to Simon Peter, he said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied to him, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but you'll fully understand it later. And Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. <laughs> oh, bold Peter, man, he always got something to say. Can't just go with the flow. <laughs> so Jesus answered and said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We can have nothing to do with each other. Then, then he says, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head, too. You wash everything. Give me a bath, you know. So Jesus said to him, anyone who has bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. Now, this is talking about this is talking about the fact that once you're saved, you don't need to continue to get saved over and over and over again because you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What you do need to wash, however, is your feet. Now, your feet. Now, I'm not talking about taking a bath and, you know, getting in there and making sure your, your, your feet are clean. <laughs> your feet is, are symbolic, is symbolic of your walk, your walk with God. And the way that we wash, you know, the Bible says, you know, that we are washed by the word of God. You know, so when you pray, when you read the word of God, you begin to, to wash. And, you know, you, you clean your walk from the day before. You know what I'm saying? That's why prayer is so important. That's why reading the word of God is so important. You know, because you begin to wash yourself. And that's why repentance is important. You know, a daily repentance for the things that you have done, even things unknowingly. So that's just, you wash your feet every day, you know. And then we wash others' feet by encouraging them, loving on them, speaking kind words to them. That's how we refresh or we wash the feet of other individuals. So it's beautiful to have, you know, services where we wash people's feet. Uh, as, a t as a token of humility, but the way that you wash people's feet every day is by just simply speaking kind words to them, you know, by speaking the word of God over their life, by encouraging them. That's how you wash people's feet in the spirit. So he says that anyone that has been bathed or anybody that's saved, they only need to wash their feet and they'll, they're completely clean. And then he says, and, and you, my disciples, are clean. But not all of you. Of course, he's talking about Judas. For he, knew, for he knew who was going to betray him. For that reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put on his robe and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? And then he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right in doing so, for that is who I am. So if I, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet as well. For I gave you this as an example so that you should do it in turn as I did to you. He goes on to say, I assure you and I most solemnly say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than he who sent him. And then he says, if you know these things, you are blessed, happy, and favored by God if you put them into practice and faithfully do them. So it should be our practice to begin to wash one another's feet, you know. And again, that can 
speak of speaking kind words to them, by blessing them, by serving other people. You know what I'm saying? That is how you begin to wash others' feet. You know, so he, he, he starts talking to them about the fact that he's willing to serve them, even though he's their Lord and master. So he's given them, he's given us an example of how we should be doing other people. We should always be looking to be in service to others. Does that make sense? Now, I put here, you know, I love the de detail that the scripture provides. Because the Bible says that Jesus was fully aware that God had put everything into his hands. In other words, again, Jesus knew exactly who he was and whose he was. He knew that he had all authority and power. He knew that he was Lord and master. And at that point, he took off his outer garments of authority, put on a towel of a servant, and began to wash his disciples' feet. And it's just an amazing example that he gives his disciples. And this is their, again, master and Lord on the ground, washing dirty and filthy feet. So you need to understand how filthy these feet were. Because <laughs> they didn't have shoes and socks on. They were walking around with sandals on, with no socks. On not, not paved roads, but on dirt roads. And, and they didn't have cars. You know, so they're, everywhere they go, they're walking. You know, so their feet are getting filthy. And the bottom line is the uh, person that washed feet, you know, when you went into someone's house, they would normally, in that time, give you uh, a basin to wash your own feet. But people that were very wealthy, they had servants, and their lowliest of servants would wash people's feet when they came in to visit them. So that's how filthy the job was. I mean, this was not a pleasant thing. And he's not just washing one person's feet. He's washing all of his disciples' feet, including Judas. <laughs> Can you wash the feet of your Judas? <laughs> I mean, and Jesus is not like, well, I don't know if he's going to betray me, you know? <laughs> I mean... He knows. He even says it. He says, you know, and not all of you are clean. <laughs> you know, because he knew who was going to betray him. So he's sitting there, man, washing this guy's feet. Can you imagine sitting there washing Judas' feet? You know that the devil had just put into his heart the thought of betraying you. And after this supper is finished, he's going to be out the door selling you out for 30 pieces of silver. And betraying you with a kiss afterwards. See, not, this is the type of humility and service that the Lord Jesus teaches us when he shows us these things, even loving your enemies, <laughs> even blessing your enemies, even though they're cursing you, even though they have the, the thought of sin in their heart against you. And you know it. This is the mind and the attitude of Christ Jesus. Now, I'll share this part with you, talking about the mind and attitude of Jesus. Turn to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Now, again, Jesus is our example. You know, thank God for David, you know, but he's not our example. Thank God for people like Abraham, you know. We can learn things from him, but he's not our example. You know, our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who our example is. That's who we follow, and that's why is well document his lifestyle so that we can see a picture of how we should live this life. So in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, in the Amplified, it says, let this same attitude 
and purpose and humble mind being you, which was in Christ Jesus. And it says, let him be your example in humility. I love that. Who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes, which makes God, God. I love that. Possessing the fullness of the attributes, which makes God, God. Did not think that this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But the Bible says he stripped off all the privileges and rightful dignity. So he, he stripped off everything that made him God. I mean, he just, he stripped it all off of him and was willing to do it. He stripped himself of all the privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave. And that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further. I mean, if it wasn't bad enough that he, he, he stripped himself of being God and became a man. If that wasn't enough, the Bible says that he abased and he humbled himself even further and carried his obedience to the extreme death, even the death of the cross. So not only did he strip himself of all of his royalty, his dignity, you know, his, him being God himself sitting on the throne, he stripped himself of all of that, but he still went further, even abased himself and made himself even more lower by allowing himself to go to the cross. You know, the Bible says that, you know, he says, you know, no man takes my life. I give it willingly. No, no, nobody took Jesus's life. Nobody forced him to get on the cross. He, he did it of his own volition. You know, in, the, in Isaiah, you know, uh, I was just reading recently, there's a reference that Isaiah makes, but it's really Jesus speaking. He says, he, he's, God says, who will go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. Who will go for us? Jesus says, here I am, send me. So he didn't give, you know, some guy to die for you. Not an angel, you know. Himself, he came and got on the cross. So he says he abased himself and humbled himself even further and carried his obedience to the extreme death, even the death of the cross. And the Bible says, I love this. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every, one day, everybody's going to be on their hands and knees. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That means the devil and all of his demon powers will be on the ground. Everybody's going to be on the ground one day. And the Bible says that he's right now sitting at the right hand of the Father, expecting until his enemies are made his footstool. And it says, therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So now I'm, a, I'm just going to wrap this up here. I put here, you know, the key to this scripture is that because Jesus was willing to stoop so low. That's the key to this scripture. Because he was willing to stoop so low. God gave him the greatest promotion ever bestowed on mankind. That's why I said the lower you're willing to go, the higher God will take you. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. The more you are willing to humble yourself, the more he'll be willing to promote you. And again, you will go as high as you're willing to go low. The lower you're willing to go to serve others, the higher God will take you and promote you. If you're too good to serve, then you're not worthy of a promotion from God. So humility, bottom line, is the key to, promote, to promotion in life. You know, anybody that's too high-minded to do anything that they consider unworthy of them, God will not be promoting them much. So I'll give you a few scriptures, and then I'm going to close for the night. It's 824. I got six minutes. <laughs> so in James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And that's uh, James 4, 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. I mean, put it on like a jacket. Be clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. See, he resists people that are proud. See, the person that's proud, they don't believe that they need any help. They don't need anybody. They definitely don't need God. The more proud you are, the more you becomes I don't I don't need anybody I, I'm you know I'm enough for myself I don't need no help so he says be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble then he says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time now, how do you do that casting all your care on him because he cares for you see the humble person says I can't do it on my own I need you, so I'm casting all my care on you. I'm not taking my cares on myself. I can't handle this. This is too much for me, so I'm giving it to you. That's what the humble person does. And Matthew 18, 3, 4 says, as is Jesus speaking, he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 23, 11, 12, it says, But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. In other words, whoever shall try to lift himself up, he's going to be put down. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And then finally, in Psalms 75, 4 through 7, this is one of my favorite scriptures. He says, I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly. And to the wicked, lift not up your horn, 
Now, the horn in, in, the, in the Bible, it speaks of physical strength. It says, so it says, don't lift up your horn. In other words, don't have pride in your physical strength. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. Then it says, for promotion neither comes from the east or from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he sets up another. See, God ultimately is the promoter. You don't have to worry about, you know, kissing anybody's butt or anything like that because God is the one that does the promotions. And if you will allow yourself to be humbled in his sight, he'll lift you up. And to the degree that you're willing to humble yourself will be to the degree that he's willing to exalt you and raise you up. And again, that goes in any walk of life. If you go to your job, and you're willing to humble yourself on your job and do whatever is required, eventually, God will promote you. He'll raise you up. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're not, a, not ashamed to do certain tasks, eventually, God will wind up promoting you and raising you up. I mean, you look at some of the greatest people in the Bible. Here's, here's David doing a lowly job, you know, taking care of a few sheep. Got his father's not even thinking about him when it comes to being, uh, you know, the next king of Israel. He's looking at all of his other sons, but God knew exactly where he was doing a lowly job, you know, taking care of sheep. His brothers even mocked him. Where are those few sheep at? You know, why aren't you taking care of them? You know, but all the while God has his eyes on him. And if you're willing, see, you be at your job, you doing certain things, and you think, oh, man, you know, here I am doing this lowly job. But all the while, God got his eyes on you. Here I am. Nobody's noticing me. Nobody knows what I'm doing. You know, I was talking to this guy, and he was talking about how he needed to make himself more noticed. And I'm sitting there like, man, when you walk in with God, He'll put you on blast. You don't have to put yourself on blast because he'll put you on it. I mean, he'll, he'll just, somebody would, somebody would just see you out the corner of their eye. God would be like, look. <laughs> and they'll find you wherever you're at. Whatever you're doing, they'll, they'll, they'll locate you because, because God will direct them to you. And if you're, it don't matter if you're doing some kind of humble job. At the end of the day, he, he'll find you and he'll lift you up. He'll promote you. And again, the, willing you're, the, the lower you're willing to go for him, the higher he'll be willing to exalt you. The more you serve other people and bless and love on other people, the more he'll, he'll, he'll just keep promoting you. He'll just keep raising you up. So tonight I wanted to start with that because I wanted to lay a foundation because being in ministry and in life in general is about learning how to serve. You know, one of the, you know, people wonder, you know, even at, you know, the church, how, how I, I've gotten where I'm at in ministry. I came there to serve. I didn't come there to promote myself. I didn't come there to be a big shot. I came to serve. You know, I had a heart. I had a heart to serve. And because I had a heart to serve, God continued raising me up. But not just in ministry and also promoting me in my natural life. You know, everywhere I've, I've been on job, he's always promoted me because I'm willing to serve. That's my heart. You know? And the same thing with my wife. 
She has a servant's heart. You know, and many of you here have a servant's heart. And what's happening is, see, God, God sees your serving. And I want you to ever think that your serving is in vain. Because he's going to be, if he hasn't already, he'll be promoting you. And some of you are now experiencing promotions in life. And it's as a result of the fact that you're, you serve him. And you do it with a pure heart. And as you continue to do so, he'll continue to lift you up. So I'm going to get deeper into this as the weeks go on. I got, you know, some real stuff that I want to share with you, but I want to lay a foundation tonight. And I'm going to close right now, but I'm going to really be picking up on this and really drilling this home so that you understand not just um, serving, but then also the benefits that come with it. Amen. Lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close right here. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for speaking to each and every one of us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you give us a servant's heart, a servant mind, even like the Lord Jesus had when he was here on earth. Because he was willing, you said in your word, because he was willing to stoop so low, you wind up exalting him by giving him the name that's above every name. By causing him to be king of kings and lord of lords. By giving him the greatest promotion that mankind has ever seen. Because he was willing to abase himself. And because he was willing to stoop so low. Because he stripped off all of his godship. All of his authority. All of his kingship. He stripped it all off and he became a common individual. Became a carpenter. And then abase himself even further by allowing himself to be humiliated on the cross. Because he was willing to stoop so low, you lift him up so high. And as we are willing to serve and to stoop low, we know that you'll also promote us and raise us up. And Father, for it, we just thank you. We bless you. We give you praise for your word. We thank you for speaking to each and every one of us. And again, I pray that you give us a servant's heart and a servant's mind. And for it, we give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now let's just give Jesus a praise tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen.